Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Well, welcome in once again, ladies and gentlemen. Matthew Betts and I, we are back once again with the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Betts, I'm looking at your glorious face right now. How are you, buddy? Glorious. Uh, matches the face, I guess. Um, no, I'm doing well, man. Uh, I'm excited to officially, I feel like, start draft season here on on the show, talking about NFL draft props today a little bit, which uh, I'm very excited to do. We're also going to talk a little bit about these crazy moves with these wide receivers, how it affects the betting markets, those kind of things. So it should be a great show. Uh, Kyle, how are you doing today, man? You know, I, I'm coming off an episode we did with the footballers where the Liar Liar segment was really fun to put together. I feel like I got to conspire against the guys, Brooks and I, uh, Jeremy, we really just got to put our heads together. And although we lost, this is how I'm coping with the first ever loss in the history of Liar Liar is math had to win out. Like the analytics said that one day the guys would win and they did this time. So it's actually a victory for math more than anything. So I feel fine. And honestly, I mean, it was a victory for everyone because of the mailbag sh- drop that you did. So if you listened, I mean, how could you not laugh at that? Um, I actually put that out today on, on Twitter. I said that was probably the hardest I've laughed at a show in a very, very long time, like legitimately laughing out loud multiple times. It was great. So if you missed it, please go back and check it out. Uh, Kyle, I feel like that was a big show for you, man. Big show. I, I feel like I just had to commit to that because uh, the mailbag drop obviously is a big deal, but it, if anything, I feel like it's something that my voice cannot hit like I could my voice could crack and someone could hear me like a you know 14 year old boy or they could hear me in a really really deep way so yes go back if you want to listen to that liar liar episode we also broke down a lot of free agency um, on that episode and that's kind of my quick question before we get into NFL draft props and strategy and you know you and I are going to finish this episode with another one of our bold or cold predictions I want to get into a quick question here which Major offseason move, right? And people are basically calling this the craziest offseason. Jason called it a frat party. Uh, it's it's kind of been nonstop. Which offseason move, in your opinion, changes the needle less than we think in terms of win totals, which is something you and I are going to be talking about in the upcoming weeks. So which move do you think doesn't move the needle as much as we think? Yeah, I think this is probably a little bit of a controversial take. I'm going to say Tyree Kill to the Dolphins. And- How dare you? 
I know, I know. Don't hear what I'm not saying, listeners. Tyreek Hill is a game changer. If you watch the playoffs with the Bills game, of course, the slant across the middle, he takes it, what, 75 yards to the house. Like, there's one or two players in the league that can do that. So Tyreek Hill definitely affects the game. He's an absolute, um, you know, game breaker. He's he's awesome. But I want to quote um, Eric Eager from PFF. He put this out on Twitter. They have a metric. It's called war. So wins above replacement. That metric for Hill, which looks at basically how much do you add to a team's uh, production and win total over the last three years, 0.39, 0.45, and 0.48. So even if you round up, basically you're looking at half of a win per season that he adds to your team. It doesn't feel like a lot, right? Like if the market's going to tell me that the Dolphins go from, you know, nine and a half wins to all of a sudden now they're at 10 and a half wins just because they got Tyree Kill, I'm probably going to be fading that notion. I mean, you also look at the other factors here at play with Miami. And while I am very excited about the moves they're making, you know, Toronto Armstead, obviously Tyree Kill. Jill and Waddle in, in year two, um, new coaching staff. You also look at who they're playing. Like they play the Bills twice, the Patriots twice. Obviously, those are tough in division games. They also play the AFC North. So these four elite quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, maybe Deshaun Watson, and of course your boy Mitch Trubisky. Um, you know, it's it's tough. It's that's a tough out. And then you also look too, and in, in the NFC who they're playing, the Packers, the Chargers, the Niners, like it's a lot that has to go right, especially for a first-time head coach. So I'm not sure it moves the needle as much in the betting markets as maybe most people think. I would agree. So the Chargers last year were 9-8. and eight. If you remember, they start off the year, they won against the Patriots in Week 1, and then they lost, what, 7 or 8 straight, and then yep. they finished on a tear. So finished at 9-8. and eight. Their win expectation, which is something Betts and I will talk about more, was 7.6. So they overachieved in that in terms of uh, how many points they scored, how much they allowed. You're asking a lot for a first-time head coach to get 10 wins. So, yeah, I'm looking at what their Vegas total was last year. It was nine wins. And I think that was a team that I mostly stayed away from because I thought the line was really great. It was dead on. Um, I know you were big on the Dolphins at the beginning of the year. Um, and then, obviously, they had injuries. They had lots of other things going on. Their offensive line was terrible. But we need to think about these teams in terms of their actual schedule. I love that you brought that up. This is who they're playing. Like, this is who they're actually playing. And this is what needs to happen for Tyreek to actually contribute and get this team to... 11 wins like in that division would you still say they're the third best team i mean i personally wouldn't even need to say that like as a hot take like that's just what vegas is telling us when you look at the division odds that are currently available for the winner of the division they're third behind obviously the bills they're first and then the the vegas odds have the patriots as the second most likely team to win the division and then it's the dolphins and sadly fourth is the jets so yeah i don't even think that's a hot take i think that's probably pretty accurate um, like I said, there's, it just seems, seems like there's a lot that needs to go right for this all to come together in year one for Mike McDaniel's team. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So Betts and I, we have entire episodes where we break down the win totals. Some of my favorite we do in the offseason, so stay tuned with that. I'm going to say Devontae Adams. And as somebody that has Devontae Adams in a couple of different spots, like on in one of my main leagues, he's my keeper. Like I love Devontae Adams. I love him as a player. Um Raiders are still fourth in that division in terms of odds. They're at plus 700. Last year, last year the Raiders were 10 and 7, but their win expectation was 6.9. They were 7 and 2 in one-score games, including their final four. So, this team overachieved with what they had last year. And when I look at their schedule, so I've started the process where I go through every single game of the season. We know who everybody's playing, we know the home and away. We don't actually know the order, but Regardless of the order of the schedule, I went through and I have the Raiders at eight and a half wins. 
that feels like a safe, I mean, nine wins, I think you could say nine wins, but in a division where we like all teams, there's actually a bet, I don't know if you saw this, on DraftKings, that's all four teams in the AFC West to make the playoffs. It's it's like plus 2,000 if you say yes. There's no there's that's no no. 10 bucks. <laughs> there's no no, I will say that. Um, yeah. It's not factoring in injuries or anything like that, but when I look at their schedule, I have them at eight and a half wins. They play the NFC West and the AFC South. The AFC South's not great, but I feel like the Raiders are a team that I, I just they're the four, fourth best team in that division, in my opinion. The other interesting thing about that too, like you know, obviously the the Raiders are a team in the same division as the Chiefs, and we just kind of talked about Tyreek Hill leaving the Chiefs. I was really surprised to see the market not really shift that much in terms of the Super Bowl odds for Kansas City or the division odds. Like they're still the favorites. They think I think they went from plus eight hundred to plus nine hundred to win the Super Bowl. So it's a little bit of a downgrade without Tyreek Hill, but it's not a huge shift. And so yeah, I think that kind of speaks to just like how maybe the Raiders, even with this move, might not be moving the needle as much as maybe people think. So the, the betting market's telling us otherwise. It'll, when those come out, we actually get win totals, which will be coming up the next week or so. I think that it would be really easy for me to jump on the Chargers in this division. Oh, sign me up. I'm but ready to you, get hurt again. No but you, yes, we, you and I are in the <laughs> same boat of knowing that the Chargers are tempting. Uh, right now, or last time I looked, it was at plus 275. So they're the third best odds in the division. I love that. So, yeah, I mean, obviously everyone's been talking about the AFC West and how the AFC's kind of bulked up, and and uh, maybe that kind of changes things in relation to the NFC, right? Like there's there's values that are kind of inflated with the Super Bowl, uh, with some of these other teams. So I can't wait to talk about those things. It's really great. But, yeah, Devontae Adams is a great player, okay? Please hear what I'm saying. I think his line right now is 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. That's his line, like, on DK. You can take the over-under on that. But in terms of it moving the needle enough for this team, they overachieved last year. Are they going to be better than that? I, I can't see that happening. I can't see them being a 11- or 12-win team at all. So if you want to leave a review, you can do that for us on iTunes. Subscribe and review. You can go to thefantasyfootballers.com. Betts and I are always updating our content, including some of our draft props, which we'll discuss today. That's on the site. Free article if you want to be a part of that. And, uh, yeah, we're going to keep releasing uh, more and more draft-related content as we get closer. But let's talk about how we approach the NFL draft. Straight cash, homie. It's kind of a tease, if I'm completely honest, because NFL draft props won't make you the most money in the world, right? I mean, have you become a rich man because of this? Sadly not. No, unfortunately not. It's it's one of those okay, so we talk a lot about over unders, we talk about, you know, player props during the season. NFL draft props, I think, is a good exercise in general, whether you put money or not, of just seeing how you think teams shake out, team needs, and understanding just market values. Like if this is just an exercise of understanding how the market works, I mean it's super compelling. But with the NFL draft props, it's pretty sharp. Okay, so we're going to talk about this from a strategy standpoint and then get into a couple of props that you and I really, really like. But I'm just going to start off by saying these lines are pretty efficient. It's not easy to spot right away uh, NFL draft props that are just like, wow, that's a screaming value. Why do you think that is, Bets? Why do you think the market is, I don't know, pretty sharp? Well, the thing that's tricky about it is 
unlike, you know, a normal sports book that offers like, you know, lines and totals that are kind of based on algorithms, based off historical data, based on trends, that kind of thing. Like that's extremely tough to beat. In these markets, someone is deciding out there. I don't know who this someone is, but someone is deciding like, here's where the line starts. And then all of the books just sort of kind of ebb and flow and might follow that. Some are quicker to adjust than others, but it doesn't take a lot of money from people betting on a, a something to move it very, very quickly. And so it's really tough if you're not getting those lines kind of right when they come out or right as news breaks or anything like that, you're going to miss out. And then at that point, you know, because this is so difficult to project and because the NFL draft in general, people are wrong about all of the time, you know, you get in these, these situations where you might hear advice from someone, whether it's us or whoever else, and all of a sudden these lines change. And now there's such negative juice on them that when you're wrong and it's plus money, it's not a big of a hit when you're wrong. And it's minus 250 when it was a week ago plus 150 that's a huge difference in your bankroll so it's really tough to make money on that sort of situation and i think you need to be able to adjust the news very quickly if you're going to take this seriously you need to be you know getting lots of information from multiple sources if possible so yeah they're pretty efficient and like i said they just move a lot quickly than than they used to at least if you have some intel out there on big lines, the ones that make the lines and set the lines for all the books let us know because it really is a process of Books are really good at copying each other, okay? They're not trying to be the one out there that, you know, is kind of a stray. It says, hey, I, I left this at plus 200 while everyone else and the whole market has moved. So, yeah, if, if you're in on that conglomerate, uh, just shoot us shoot us a little message on Twitter at PT at Kyle underscore Borg. But lines are really efficient, and betting on groupthink, like Bet said, isn't going to make you a ton of money. So, remember last year, Bets, we talked about Micah Parsons being the first linebacker off the board. Looking back now, like we're like, why would we not think that? Like he was incredible, he was defensive rookie of the year. I mean, he got some votes for defensive player of the year. He was incredible. But I remember there was a there was a point where he was at minus four fifty, like minus four hundred. You had to lay so much money for this to be right, and we both did because we were so confident in it. But it didn't make us a ton of money. Right, and that's the tricky thing too. Is like unless you have an insane bankroll that you want to really go all in on this, like yeah, you're not going to get rich doing it. But along the same lines as what you're saying, there's still sometimes quote unquote value, even when the line is sort of big like that. Like we probably would have made the line closer to minus 500, maybe minus 550, minus 600. So like at minus 400, we felt insanely confident in that bet, even though it wasn't going to be the one that really built our bankroll. It's a small win and they all count, but um, sometimes you can get, you know, still some value on those bigger numbers for sure. And just to give you just some context of what minus 400, what some of these numbers mean, this year, Aiden Hutchinson right now is minus 400 to be the first overall pick. The implied odds of that is 80%. Okay, so DK Sportsbook, what we're talking about right now, is saying 80% of the time they're saying this bet is going to hit for them. So that's a big deal. That's, that's a big shift, which we'll talk about with Hutchinson from where it's been. But another another key point is thinking about bets and thinking about draft props in terms of real percentages and 80% and 75% may not sound like a big difference, but it is a monumental same thing with 50 and 51%. Those are big differences. So what would you give right now? So let's talk about Hutchinson. Cause I think he's, he's the big story for you and I, because it shifted a ton in the last month. What percentage chance would you give him? Would you say 80% is a bit high for him to be the first overall pick? It's tough because it kind of seems like each day that passes that it becomes more and more likely. 
Um, right now, I'd probably give it like 70%, something like that. So I think there's still maybe this is overvalued. I'm not touching this by any means, but I think this is definitely a little overvalued. I would agree. I think 80% is a bit high. I'd probably put the odds more like at minus 225 or minus 300, something like that. So with this pick, the information you have to go off of is you can either say, okay, here's what the Jaguars need, which they need a lot of different parts. We know they don't need a quarterback. But also there's a major overreaction in the news when the Jaguars franchise tagged Cam Robinson, their offensive tackle. That shifted from the most popular guys being Evan Neal of uh, the offensive tackle of Alabama and Ekem, I'm going to say this wrong, Equinu of uh, NC State. The, uh, we'll just the, call him Icky. Icky of uh, the other offensive tackle. So both of those two were the favorites. And then when it was tagged, it kind of moved. Do you feel like that was an overreaction from the market just based on that news? Or is this saying, hey, this is telling us they're going to take him? Because the Jaguars have not come out and said anything. I think that is key. They, they didn't do that last year. It took them a while. We knew it was going to be Lawrence, but they didn't come out and say anything about Lawrence uh, for a while. They also... They had Urban. Know, let's remember who was there. <laughs> also uh, tried to make Gardner Minshew compete for the starting job, so let's just recall that. Shout out to Herb. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't think the Jaguars know who they're taking, to be honest with you. I think they probably have a, a short list, obviously, but yeah, I think the the tagging of off- offensive tackle Cam Robinson, many thought, okay, then it can't be Evan Neal. It can't be Iquanu. Um, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong. I'm just saying that like I don't give it an 80% chance that that doesn't happen, that they don't take a tackle. So yeah, the market at this point has shifted far enough away that based off their moves, like Hutchinson makes the most sense as far as, you know, they, they shirt up the offensive line, quote unquote, with, with Robinson, which by the way, I think that franchise tag two years in a row was a horrible mistake. Um, and then now that's probably telling us like, if they think that that's going to solve the problem, then they go the other side of the ball. So that's what they're saying. I still think there's a chance that Iquamu or Neil could go there. It's probably a smaller chance than what it was, you know, three, four weeks ago. And actually, this is probably a good time to bring up too. If you look at our article, Kyle and I took actually Evan Neal and Iquamu as separate bets to go number one at different odds. And obviously times have changed and, you know, things have shifted in the market. But this is a great point to point out. Don't get stuck in your takes because it's okay to admit that you were wrong and then kind of try to correct it with a different wager or, or something like that. So we definitely, I think, missed out on that. Screwed the pooch. Uh, I think that the the odds shifted in our favor when we took them. And then, of course, it got away from us. Um, and I will say I also have a little Hutchinson at plus 300. So I feel like either way, I'll walk out with a tiny little profit on this, which is good. But it, it is important to note, you know, don't get stuck on your takes too early in the process. Boom shakalaka! That was the sound of Vegas bets taking everybody's money over and over yep. and over again, including ours. I will say this. What we know about Hutchinson is, yes, they did tag Cam Robinson, so offensive tackle seems like it's less. Uh, they also have Walker Little, someone they took from Stanford a couple years ago. Uh, he canceled his private workout with the Jaguars. Some people took that as, well, uh, well obviously he doesn't need to work out with him, but it was because David Ojabu, the Michigan player, tore his Achilles and so as an agent, you're protecting your player from getting hurt. So uh, he's still visiting these teams, okay, just so you know. He's officially visiting Hutchinson, the Jaguars, the Lions at two, uh, the Texans at three, the Jets at four, and the Giants at five. So yeah, he's visiting the top five teams. He knows he's going to be a top five pick. Um, some of them might just be a more of a formality. I would say he looks like he's a top three pick locked in. And yes, 70% probably sounds good for him to be number one. But there is room, and if you did want to, he's plus 400 to be the second pick to the Lions. 
if you wanted to go somewhere else, uh, I won't be doing the minus 400. But yeah, lines get efficient and be willing to you know figure out like where's the loopholes in this? What do we know? And right now there still is room you know a month away for interpretation. So uh, you want to go next? Yes, the other thing to, to consider for sure in, in general just with strategy here is make sure you shop around for the best line possible. I kind of talked about it a little bit already, but the difference between you know paying like minus 150 on one book and paying minus 110 on another book doesn't sound like a lot. But if you're making a bunch of wagers on this and you're actually trying to get serious about not losing money when you lose these bets, it makes a difference and it adds up. So shop around, make sure you have access if you can to multiple books. If you're living in states like Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Colorado, places like that, I mean, you have access to, depending on the state, like four or five, six, seven books if, if you want them. So don't be afraid to look around, shop around for different things. And again, because we said that these kind of tend to move in general as a big unit with these lines, you know, for example, like you're not going to see some random book out there that left Hutchinson at minus 150 to go first at this point. Like it's gone. You're going to see all the minus 400s, the minus 450s, minus 375, like something in that ballpark. But again, those little tiny differences, I think, are a big factor in terms of, of making sure you're having a plus EV bet on this sort of situation. I will also say we have one example here um, that I think we're going to talk about in more detail, Kyle, is is these this bet for the wide receivers taken in round one. So right now, the line out there for all the books I've seen is at five and a half. Now the juice is different other places. So as of earlier this morning on FanDuel, over five and a half was plus 118. If you go over to DraftKings, it's minus 120. So you could almost just even ignore anything you think about this bet. And if you say, I like the over, if you have access to those two books, bet it on FanDuel, you'll make more money if you're correct and you'll lose less if you're wrong. So um, simple, obvious advice, but sometimes you just need to remind people like there are some small inefficiencies book to book just make sure you get the best uh, best line out there. All right, before we get into this next part, we're going to take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, gift mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. So you and I differ on this conversation. I think we were talking this morning. The line is five and a half wide receivers in the first round. So let's briefly talk about this. I kind of like the under. If I'm if I'm not looking at the odds, not you know line shopping, I kind of like the under. But you're kind of into the over. So tell me why you're wrong. I'm not kind of into the over. 
I love the over. I mean, look, like you look at any mock draft out there from any respected source, whether it's the Athletics' Dane Brugler, Daniel Jeremiah, a NFL Network, anyone, you'll see five wide receivers off the board. It it's almost seems like a lock at this point. And of course, things could change. But you got the two Ohio State guys. You got Drake London. You got Traylon Burks. And Jamison Williams seem to be in everyone's first round. Well, our friends, the Chiefs, trade away Tyree Kill. They own picks 29 and 30. And there are also other teams back there. Go ahead. Breaking news. What if I told you that the Chiefs just signed MVS? They are definitely taking a wide receiver. (laughs) I really wanted to lead up to that moment and see if that would change the needle. And I think for both of us, it's like, eh, not really. What they gave him what three years, thirty million? Okay, like that's a that's a decent amount of money. But the reality is, we've seen what MBS is. I, I still think they're going to take a wide receiver. So there's other teams there that also could use wide receiver help. And names that I've heard thrown out: Christian Watson was just mocked in Daniel Jeremiah's uh, first round. I think it was to the Chiefs at thirty. Um, you're also hearing about Jahan Dotson. You know, Sky Moore has been a guy that's going like early round two in a lot of mocks. If, if a team loves him and they want to take him in round one, I don't think that's crazy. So there's just like a lot of ways for a sixth wide receiver to kind of sneak up into the back of the first. If you're getting it at plus money anywhere, I still think it's plus money on Fox bet at plus 100 at, at even money. I like the over quite a bit here. Yeah, I think the thing that I'm most curious about is how many of those wide receivers that we say can sneak into the first round end up just being top of the second, like a T Higgins, you know, Michael Pittman, we saw a couple years ago, like that's just where they end up. So do teams feel the need that they need to trade up in the first round to get one of these wide receivers? I don't know. Uh, also quarterbacks are a big thing that people trade up for and are, are one of those quarterbacks. We'll talk about them in a second, but your boy, Matt Corral, does he end up being one of those guys that teams say, Hey, I want them in the back of the first. And then that kind of slides everyone else down. So We'll talk about that, but yes, there's different different ways that you can look at this. And I, I when I was talking with bets, I was like, "Wow, this is a different bet on Fanduel uh, than it is DraftKings." And of course, things move. Speaking of moving, I want to tell myself this information and anyone else out there: be willing to change your opinion because this isn't about what I would do for an NFL team. Okay, I know what I would do if I was Terry Fontenot, the GM of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, you know, what I, would you do? I probably would have held on to my heart a little longer and kept Matt Ryan around. I probably, <laughs> but I, I, here's what I would have done. I wouldn't have picked Kyle Pitts this past year. As much as I like Kyle Pitts, I would have picked Justin Fields and taken him at four and then kind of had a transition year and then moved on from Matt Ryan. But here's where we are. Worst team in the league. Are they the worst team in the league? <laughs> Seriously, though. Serious question. I'm asking for myself. I mean, I don't want to hurt your feelings too bad, but like, I think the Texans win more games than the Falcons this year. I started going through the Falcons schedule and there are some tough games. Like they play the Chargers at home, by the way, which I was like, well, that is my dream to go to a Falcons Chargers game uh, this year. But yeah, their, their, their schedule does not set up well at all. So, uh, so that's what I would do if I was a GM and the same thing with the Jaguars. Like if I were the Jaguars, what I would do, is I wouldn't have franchise tagged Cam Robinson and I would take an offensive tackle. I would have taken one of those two offensive tackles at number one overall and go from there. I also probably wouldn't have spent as much money in free agency as them because Warren Sharp tweeted this out, but they've spent over a billion dollars over the last like 12 years in free agency. That's crazy. It's the most in the league and they have the fewest wins in the league in that span too. It doesn't work. 
In, Maybe it's not a great strategy. In just terms, saying. In terms of team building, <laughs> it's not the best strategy. It's you know you can definitely splurge or, or go after certain people, but it's definitely not something that has been successful for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I thought that Evan Neal would be the correct pick, and he moved from the position of being the number one at plus two hundred. Bet that plus one fifty. Bet that again, and then finally he was at one minus one fifty, and it was like, oh, I'm not going to bet him anymore. He's the favorite. And then all of a sudden we get all this news uh, and Aiden Hutchinson moves in. So the way that I diversified that is instead of me just saying, I think they should take Neil, I put some money down, I had to be willing to pivot. So a couple of bets that I found early on is, I, I don't know, I don't remember if I told you this, I have Evan Neal at over one and a half at minus 120. That feels pretty cool, good. Cool, dude. Thanks for telling me. Appreciate that. <laughs> Great bet for you. That feels pretty Pretty good if he doesn't go first. Um, Are you making secret bets and not telling me? Uh, I can't talk to you right now. I also, <laughs> uh, he's a consensus fifth overall pick right now in terms of just mocks, and we'll talk about where we get that information. But I have an over three and a half for him as well. There are, there's just so many different ways that you can go about this. There's also, I want to say this about quarterbacks. That's clearly the most valuable position in the sport, and there are teams that need quarterbacks. We think should take a quarterback. You know, Atlanta, uh, Carolina, Detroit, like all of us say they need to take a quarterback. And so a lot of people are saying it's Malik Willis at number two. And yet nobody's hearing that information. I know you and I talked about that today, but like Malik Willis can be a fun fantasy quarterback, but mocking him number two to the Lions is kind of silly. Yeah, he was the odds on favorite to go to. I haven't looked at that in a little bit. I'm not sure if that changed or not, but. Yeah, I, I don't really know where that came from. I think maybe because they need a quarterback and it fits sort of thing. But I don't know. He just had his pro day. And of course, that helps with buzz and hype and that kind of thing. But yeah, it does seem like a little bit of an overreaction for sure. Especially when you consider, like I was talking about with Jeremiah's most recent mock, he wasn't even mocked in the first round at all. I mean, I still think he probably goes in round one, but that says something a lot. And if the market assumes it's going to be a two, I, I'd be out on that market for sure for Malik Willis. I mean, there's the conventional teams that we would say, okay, well, Pittsburgh, they need a quarterback. Uh, Seattle, uh, do they really like Drew Locke? Um, nope. Even even Philadelphia, <laughs> you know. I, like, hey, sorry. You don't like Jalen Hurts? You guys need a long-term <laughs> solution at quarterback. Okay, all right, buddy. Easy. <laughs> You're going to lose to the Texans this year. For sure. For Definitely for sure. But the point is, <laughs> there are things that I would do for a team. And this is what I would, but I'm not running a team. I'm sitting behind a microphone talking to, to, to some guy in Vermont. That's all I'm doing. This is true. <laughs> this is a true statement. Our opinion does not matter, right? It, that's, that's the take home is that your opinion doesn't matter. It's trying to get in the head of like what these teams have done. If it's a GM that's been in house for a while, what is their tendency? Like that kind of thing. So yeah, it's tough. You really need to kind of separate like the I know better than what this GM should be doing kind of thing because if you do that, you're going to be wrong quite a bit. That I think that's what's so much of fantasy football, of DFS. There's things that I would do. I really think this player can do this. I would utilize this player in this way. I mean, I give Keenan Allen 200 targets. Why not? But that's not how things actually function. So it's being able to separate what I would do from what information is actually true and actually out there and that's what you're going to talk about next yeah so the next kind of thing to take home for people is just to have a, a good resource of where you want to be able to find information and the tough part about this is when we talk about it in dfs is trying to filter out the noise from like actual information that really does help i think beat writers 
are a good source of information that I use a lot in season, especially when I, I do the injury blitz podcast. So like I'm trying to figure out are these guys practicing in a limited basis? Are they on the field actually doing drills? Are they just on the stationary bike? Like beat reporters will tell us a lot of information about what's happening in that sort of situation, maybe with playing time, new roles, things like that. Beat writers don't have, I think, as much inside information about the NFL draft process as teams and as people might think. So if you look at like beat writers and they put out their mocks and stuff of what they think will happen with the team, historically, they're pretty inaccurate. So I would just be careful if you see, you know, so-and-so from the Lions thinks that the team should take Malik Willis at two, all of a sudden it gets steamed up in the draft prop market. Like, just be careful with that because, uh, again, beat writers aren't necessarily always accurate with their, those sort of situations. The other thing to think about, I think, is being able to kind of be able to look at mock drafts around the industry and get a sense of like, what is what do people think? What does the group think right now? And kind of where is the market shifting? So we use um, grindingthemocks.com. I like that because it has the historical trends for a player. So you can see kind of where they're going. Um, you can kind of sort by player. You can see where they were at in uh, March, where their draft stock is at in April. Is it going up? Is it going down? Those kind of things. And then NFL mock draft database also is another good resource, kind of lets you know what teams are most likely to take certain players, kind of what the mocks are telling us as far as consensus position of, of players being mocked. Those are things that I use all the time when we're looking at this. And then I would say too, pick three, four, five mock drafts or NFL draft analysts that you like and trust. Because if you start to listen to five, six, seven, eight people, and you just take little bits of everything you hear, it's so tough to get this stuff right that eventually you'll be chasing your tail and you'll be in circles. So whether it's Daniel Jeremiah, whether it's Peter Schrager, who's been pretty, pretty accurate over the years, those kind of guys, Dane Brugler is another name that I, I've listened to. Like those kind of names, I think you should find yours that you trust and make sure you're plugged in. Those are those are the exact names that I use. And, you know, have some variation, have some people that are a little out there. I will say I would stay away from people that have a fantasy bend for the most part. I mean, obviously you got to listen to us, but stop the podcast. <laughs> but the, but the thing is, if you're going to a, if you're only going a certain direction, you're going to have people that are putting in their fantasy bias. So bets and I are admitting, Hey, it's easy for us to see things in a fantasy lens. We have to take off that hat in this exercise. Like that's, we have to actually take away. Here's what I would do. Here's the fantasy production. Here's what we could see happen. Cause fantasy is about fun. It's about finding, you know, these games that go off you know, that, that scored a ton of points. We're looking at what does an NFL team with money on the line, real jobs, what would they do? So yeah, it's, it's super important. It's, it's really important to ask yourself the question, you know, you're, you're mentioning beat, you know, beat writers, they're putting out information because they're trying to get people to read their stuff a lot of the time. Like they're not always plugged in for practice reports. They're there and they're seeing who's practicing, who's not. That's a very real information. But it's very different than what does the GM put out there. So the 49ers last year, right? They were kind of clear about what they wanted out there and what they didn't want out there. And for a while, like we don't know the full information, but it would make sense if they were the ones putting out the Mac Jones false information just to throw everyone else off. What a time that was, huh? Dude. Man, <laughs> the Justin Fields debacle for us was not good. Oh man, I completely I kind of just like erased that from my memory to be honest with you. <laughs> it it was it was definitely all over the map uh and yeah, let's talk about some of these props though. You and I are going to each share a couple different props before we get into our bold or cold prediction. I'm going to start off by talking about total quarterbacks. 
Right now, the line on FanDuel, which I bet earlier and it's moved. So what does that tell you, Bets? I mean, you're moving the lines. No big deal. Moving the lines. Uh, you can find it on FanDuel. Uh, total quarterbacks at three and a half. And I'll take the under on that. It was at minus 172. Now it's at minus 188. On DraftKings, the line is at two and a half, which is scary to me. It's a really scary line because I think we both think Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett are going to be going in the first round. But I think there's room for a third for a team to trade up or to fall in love with someone like Matt Corral or Desmond Ritter, one of those two. So I like the under three and a half. And based on mock draft database, like three is the max. Some people are doing four, uh, but I can't see it really go above three. Yeah, I don't know what the over is as far as the juice on quarterbacks. If it's two and a half, I like the over. If it's three and a half, I like the under. I mean, in theory, you could probably possibly hit both. Um, I, I agree with you. I think it seems like two is very, very likely, almost certain. And I definitely agree that there's going to be a third at some point. So this is going to be a sweat for sure. You know, on draft night, you're sitting there at like pick 25, 26. You're like, please do not anyone else trade up for a quarterback right now if you take the under. And and I do like the under. I think there's going to be a name, like you said, that, that pops up. We've heard some buzz on Crow, a little bit on Ritter, not much on Sam Howell, to be honest with you. So it seems like four is the max, two is very, very likely, and three is kind of the sweet spot. So I like the under if you can get that. If you like the over on two and a half, I also don't hate that if you're going over on DraftKings. All right, you need to give me 10 seconds on your boy Matt Corral because you just wrote an article that's coming out. Uh, why do you like him so much? Well, this man was mocked in the top 15 all season. Comes out, high ankle sprain, in the Sugar Bowl, I believe it was. And then all of a sudden, we don't hear from him, right, for like two, three months. And people kind of forgot about him, and now everyone's enamored with Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett. And he just had his pro day, and the reports were glowing from people that were there. And there was a lot of teams that need a quarterback that are picking pretty high that were also in attendance. So, of course, teams are probably doing their due diligence, but... I think the ceiling on him is is higher than Pickett, in my opinion. Obviously, I'm no quarterback evaluator as far as talent, but I think for fantasy, I'm kind of excited about him over a guy like Kenny Pickett, who probably isn't going to add with his legs the way Corral can. And I think Corral's game, like his ability to escape sacks, move around in the pocket, create with his legs, just fits today's scoring system, at least for fantasy, um, better than Kenny Pickett, in my opinion. Yeah, he's much more mobile that if you didn't know anything about Matt Corral, you would go, oh, okay, cool pocket passer, no, like the dude can can boogie, and he did at Ole Miss. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited for people to be able to read that because I know that it's somebody that you're like, hey, I, it, it means something if you're telling me I think there's something there for fantasy. You know, you're, you're not here saying he's going to make all the throws. He's obviously got to work on some accuracy stuff, but played really big in the SEC, and in dynasty drafts, I think he's going to be a fun, like, late second, early third pick that people just kind of – I've noticed that people just kind of pass on quarterbacks. They just wait and wait and wait, and they forget about them. And I think there's going to be some value there. Yeah, we just did a, a mock for the UDK, for the Dynasty Pass. And I think he fell to like the back of the second, maybe even early third. I can't remember. But yeah, no one no one wanted him. People are kind of reaching for these like fringy wide receivers over him. So yeah, I like him as a value for sure. All right, give me your next prop. All right, this one I like a lot. It might be my favorite that, wow. that I personally have taken so far. Did you take this one too? I did. Okay. So we're both on Charles Cross. He is a, an offensive tackle over six and a half on his draft position, meaning he goes pick seven or later. I got this at minus 130 on DK. The, the, 
play here, there's two reasons. So the first one, if you look at some alternative markets, it kind of helps you gauge where maybe these odds should be. So when you look at uh, on FanDuel, the first offensive lineman to be taken, it's Iquanwu at minus 115, Evan Neal at plus 100, even money. And then Cross is a distant, distant third at plus 1,200. So the market is telling us there's a very, very, very small chance Cross goes before either Iquanwu or Neal. It's still possible, extremely unlikely though. So when you look at six and a half, you say, okay, there's six teams that need to not take this player. We already talked about Aiden Hutchinson. We assume he goes one. At two, people are talking about Trayvon Walker. They're talking about these tackles. They're talking about Malik Willis. I haven't seen Cross anywhere close to two. So you say, okay, he's probably not at one or two. Then you look at the teams at you know three, four, five. Like at three, they need a tackle. They're probably taking Houston if if Aquamu is available. He's there. The Jets have holes everywhere. They've been linked to Sauce Gardner at, in Daniel Jeremiah's most recent Our mock. boy Sauce. Our boy Sauce. We're going to talk about him in a second. And then the Giants, they also have holes everywhere. They need to assure up their offensive line. So Cross, in theory, could make sense. But again, the market is telling us it's very, very likely to be Quanu and Evan Neal in those top, you know, from picks two to, to six. So in the top uh, six, but really not including one. And then at Carolina, like everything that we've seen about them is that they're in with Kenny Pickett. They were at his pro day. Apparently they were examining his double jointed thumbs or something like that. Like they're in the quarterback market. So I just don't see how he fits in the top six picks of the draft. Um, And I haven't seen a mock there once, to be honest with you, in the last month of the uh, the calendar. So in his most recent mock, Daniel Jeremiah had him at number nine to Seattle. And then on grindingthemocks.com, he's at 9.8 for his expected draft position. Well laid out. Well laid out that this is, hey, this is something that we think people can get in on. It's only minus 130, like you mentioned on DK. The scenario where this goes wrong is if one of the tackles go number one, and then it kind of slides up. And that's kind of, that's not what we have in front of us, though. What we have in front of us is that, you know, there's 80% odds that Hutchinson goes one. So that's what we have to work from. But I like that one a lot. Charles Cross, offensive tackle. Mississippi State, go uh, Starkville. You ever been there? I have not. I, Maybe one day. I have been to a game or two there. Uh, my cousins went there. So, yeah, I got some Mississippi State ties. Uh, my next prop still has to do with on- offensive tackles. Maybe that's what our show is, kickers and offensive tackles. That's what people come here for, right? Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, so the Texans right now, they have the third overall pick, and there are some dominoes that have to fall right before them. Jaguars, Lions. These are really bad teams, by the way. Jaguars, Lions, Texans. Uh, not great, Bob. So... If you think they're going offensive tackle, which is what I do and what, what you know, I, I think it's between one of these two guys. It's our boy Icky or it's Evan Neal. You can get both of them at plus odds in a way where you can just sprinkle a little on both. And because it's plus odds, you can you know you're going to be making some money. So I think at plus 175 for Icky, plus 225 for Neal, I think it's safe. The only other players I'm seeing them mock there is Kyle Hamilton, the safety, um, or Trayvon Walker, the defensive tackle out of Georgia. That's totally in play. Uh, I just think the offensive tackle is is really on the board, especially if Hutchinson if Hutchinson goes one, and we don't think the Lions are going to go offensive tackle. I think it's kind of set up for the Texans to take it there. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's pretty good value on both of those guys for sure. And you know, we talked about it. don't get stuck in your takes. So like, if you have some Neil at number one, or you have Iquanu at one, like this is definitely a good way to hedge. So I'm with you on that. All right, give me your sauce takes. The, the sauciest of takes. Of oh, the sauce takes. Sauce Ahmad Gardner. Yes, this is the cornerback out of Cincinnati. 
who really wasn't on a lot of people's radar as like the top corner in the class until this past year. He had an awesome season for Cincinnati. Obviously, they made that college football playoff run. I like the under eight and a half for him in his draft position. I think he goes in the top eight. We talked about kind of how that top six or seven picks look, but I also look at, again, these alternative markets. Right now, to be the first cornerback off the board, he's at minus 370 on, on DraftKings. I've also seen like minus 400, minus 450 on other books. So like, it seems very, very, very likely he's the first corner who hears his name called. You look at these defenses, like, you know, obviously with, with taking Jacksonville out of the equation, like Detroit could use help in the secondary. Houston, yes. The Jets, yes. The Giants, yes. If Carolina waits on quarterback, yes. Like there's a lot of ways that he can kind of fit into there. Not to mention the Giants pick again right at seven. So there's ways that that can go, I think, right for us. I think in the, the latest, like I said, for Daniel Jeremiah at his mock, he went fourth to to the Jets. And if you look at his his historical trend data on, uh, on grinding the mocks, it's a constant upward trajectory, meaning every time a mock draft comes out over the course of the next several weeks, it seems like he's going to be more likely to land in the top 10 picks than not. And so I think at, at eight and a half, I think you're getting pretty good value here. The dude is huge, by the way. Like he's for yes. a cornerback, he's not normal. Um, and usually every year there is a team that falls in love with a cornerback and takes them in the top 10. So we think that under eight and a half, based on what we're seeing in the mocks, feels feels really good. And so, yeah, I, I felt great. Um, you mentioned earlier, like him being the first cornerback, it feels like almost a lock at this point. So do you think at minus 370 is what it is on DraftKings? Is that worth it to you? Kind of like how we did Micah Parsons this past year. Is that is that worth it? Because it's not at you know minus four hundred. It's not at minus five hundred. It's still still there. Yeah, I think it's reaching a point where I probably am not going to touch it, especially if it keeps going that way. So yeah, if you do like it that much, like do it now because it's only going to get more juicy. I think as the weeks go by. So yeah, it's probably at a limit for me. I don't know. I I just think if you're going to bet it to me you're almost kind of getting like the same bet almost but just at much much better odds i think at under eight and a half so i definitely wouldn't bet uh, i wouldn't bet both personally i think if you want to play it extremely safe i think that bet is very likely to hit for the first corner but again you're paying so much juice that you might as well just take the under eight and a half yep no it's a good point we will talk about team needs this next week where we will go through you know, the top 10, 15 teams and kind of work through and, and say, here's what they need. We'll go position by position and say, okay, here are the teams that need quarterback. Here are the scenarios. And because of this, here's a draft prop we like. Okay, so it's kind of taking what we what we know about just football needs and then being able to compare that. So yeah, next week we'll talk about that. Before we finish this episode, though, I, uh, I think it's uh, pretty important that you and I give our bold predictions. Ridiculously Bold Predictions. Yes. I have uh, I've been waiting for this one. I feel some steam. feel some, some umph behind this one. Uh, but would you like to go first? No, since you're so excited, I think you should go first. Okay. Uh, the reason why I want to share this one is because I've done some soul searching. I really, I really have. Great for you, Kyle. All right, so here's our, here's my statement. And if you're new to this, uh, Betts and I get to give a prediction and give it with the utmost sincerity. And the person across from, from myself right now gets to say, am I lying or not? Is this is something how I really feel? And uh, we'll talk a little bit about it. But I've done some soul searching. And here's what I want to say. 
after being all in last year with you bets. I was with you in this on Trey Lance. I think it is time to trade Lance. All right. This that's what I'm calling this trade Lance. It's time to abandon. This hurts my heart. It hurts hurts my heart. It's time to abandon ship. (laughs) There are reports from, I don't know if you've heard of him, Adam Schefter saying that this guy uh, is further behind than people realized. And the fact that the 49ers are still holding on to Jimmy Garoppolo, it, it terrifies me. I, I, I loved Lance in terms of what he could do for fantasy, uh, but QB is not a hill that I want to die on or would recommend anyone else dying on. So I would say now is the time to trade Lance. And are you talking about the Niners should be trading him or you are trading him if you're playing in like a dynasty format? In dynasty format. There's a lot to unpack for me who, yeah, let's be honest, I had a financial investment in this man last year uh, in best ball season. That was rough. That's an L for sure that I'll, I'll remember that for a long time. Um, okay, let me think. So because I know the way that you think, about wanting to be on the opposite side of what generally the consensus is. If you are hearing that people are starting to get really worried about Trey Lance, as his value potentially plummets, I think this is wrong. I think this is a a cold take by you because I think now, when the news is coming out, might be the time to buy Trey Lance. And I don't know if that's my bias coming through, but that's what I'm going to go with. What do you? What's the? What's the real thing here? You're darn right. It's time to hold on to this. Let's man. go. Okay, listen, people. Never a doubt. Listen, people. <laughs> listen, this man turns 22 in early May. He would be the second youngest quarterback prospect in this class coming up. Okay, so consider him a rookie. In the same way that we think about a rookie quarterback coming in, that's kind of where we're getting Trey Lance. But, but he's had an entire year where we've gotten to actually see. It's showcased at least twice. And for fantasy, although it wasn't perfect, it actually translated. That's what I care about is fantasy. Uh, His rush share in college was ridiculous. And here's a stat I want to throw out. Every rookie quarterback, and I'm considering Trey Lance in terms of his preparation, that crossed 80 rush attempts. 80 rush attempts in the rookie season was top 10 in terms of uh, points per game pace. So, yes, do not trade Trey Lance. Go Go fully in. And yes, I sound like my feet are stuck in concrete, but I am staying here. <laughs> Kyle's the guy in your dynasty who's like, you know, someone puts him on the block and immediately he's like, four firsts, four firsts for Trey Lance. <laughs> this, is a, this is a value here. Um, no, I'm with you. If, if people think it's time to get out, I, I'm in. Listen, the third overall pick on this guy, they obviously mortgage a lot to get him. They're going to want to try to prove that they were right. And the thing that's crazy is like, like shout out to Jimmy G. He dealt with a lot last year from the media. He still came out and played decently well or well enough for that team to put them in the playoffs and beat Aaron Rodgers. So that's like hat tip to him. But the team like immediately afterwards was like, yep, we're trading Jimmy G. Like like, that's immediately what came out. So they're going to try to make it work with Trey Lance. I agree. If there's someone in your league that's down on him, I'm definitely making an offer. So I'm with you. Yeah, I like it. Yep. Here's the thing. They tried to trade him. All right. They were very clear. He had his emotional kind of end of season post game conference uh, you, you know, press conference thing. And now we're hearing these reports. Like who's to say these reports aren't being leaked out that Jimmy G is that much more valuable to them. You know, th- here's the thing. They moved on at the end of the off season and they're not changing their mind. All right. They have so much invested and it could get ugly, but it also could be great. They've seen flashes of greatness. Uh, he had as many play action passing touchdowns last year as Jimmy Garoppolo in those two games. 
Trey Lance. So, uh, yeah, stay in the flames. All right, I'm with you. Never a doubt. Can't wait for him to not be good this year again. It'll be, it'll be fun. All right, here's mine, okay? Patrick Mahomes. We're, we're both going football on this one, so it's fun. Patrick Mahomes does not produce a wide receiver one for fantasy this year, and Travis Kelsey does not finish inside the top two at the tight end position for redraft leagues. Despite all of the you know rhetoric out there, Tyreek Hill is gone. It's going to open up so many more targets for all these other guys. Juju's in town. He's going to catch like 180 balls from Patrick Mahomes out of the slot. All these things. No, he doesn't produce that. Patrick Mahomes is still good enough for fantasy, but he does not produce a top two tight end in Travis Kelsey for fantasy or a wide receiver one on his team. Okay, so there's a couple things here. You could be pulling at just at in terms of age with Travis Kelsey. Like his target share is probably going up, or at least what we would project right now. Um, Juju, I feel like you're not a Juju guy. Um, so, oh, buddy. So I'm trying to see through this. I think you actually believe what you're saying. I think I think it's actually true. First off, I've died on the Juju Hill multiple times, but I'm officially out. Yes, listen, Tyreek Hill, like you look at what defenses did to the Chiefs last year, and it was kind of a running joke, right? Like, oh, if you just run cover two, you can stop Patrick Mahomes. Like, of course you can't do that. But teams were trying to do that because of what Tyreek Hill offers you. And listen, Travis Kelsey, all he had to do was just like sit in the middle of the field and get these balls from Patrick Mahomes, easy catches, easy yards. And and for fantasy, we love that. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I still think from a medium projection standpoint, I think he still is going to project extremely well. You're going to want him on your roster. But are we going to see the same ceiling from a tight end who is obviously at an age where it's a little iffy and now his running mate in Tyreek Hill, who opened up the field insanely for for Travis Kelsey, isn't there? Are we going to see the same? I don't know. And yeah, man, like the Michael Hardman stuff, no thank you. Juju, eh. I mean, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a rookie on there. Like, I feel like the way Pat Mahomes is playing right now, he's spreading the ball around. So I think for the first time in a very long time, we don't see a wide receiver one from Kansas City this year. I like that take. I, I think it's measured. I think it makes sense. I think we can't just copy and paste what we've seen in the past from the Chiefs. They will be interesting when we talk about win totals and markets of what do we think of them because defensively, they have some issues as well. So we can't just simply copy and paste from what we've seen before. Your dog agrees. All right. Definitely. Yep. Hopefully you can share more bold or cold takes with us. You can use that hashtag bold or cold. Uh, See if you agree with me about Trey Lance with bets about the Chiefs. There's obviously some hot topics. But, yes, next week we will get to talk more about NFL draft, NFL needs. So, Bets, why don't you sign us off in the best way possible? Yes, I will do that. Hope everyone enjoys uh, enjoy the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 this weekend. College basketball will be fun. We'll be back next week. Enjoy the weekend. Until then, we'll see you. Listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.